You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to Art Smart from Who Arted, your guide to quick and easy art history. We're cutting through all that art world jargon that doesn't make sense to anyone because art is for everyone. Welcome to Art Smart. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to focus on ancient Egyptian art. Now, before we get into the Wayback Machine to discuss these ancient artworks, I do want to say a big thank you to everybody out there today who is taking time to help me with the podcast by leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app or telling a friend about the show. When most people think of ancient Egyptian art and artifacts, one of the first thoughts is the oddly contorted poses. This aspect of the design was always noticeable, but it really became etched in the popular conception throughout the 20th century as artifacts from King Tutankhamun's tomb grabbed headlines. The first craze came in the 1920s, with excitement as Howard Carter opened the tomb of the boy king, and he found that he was the first grave robber to enter the chamber. Later, in the 1970s, the traveling display of artifacts from King Tut's tomb brought ancient Egyptian art style back into the headlines, and of course, there was the 1980s classic, Walk Like an Egyptian, which was all about the contorted poses found in ancient artworks for the sake of deeply uncomfortable dancing. The big question is, why? Why did ancient Egyptian artists portray figures in these poses that seem so odd and unnatural? A lot of the artwork was ritualistic and symbolic. It wasn't meant to be naturalistic or a true representation of nature. In two-dimensional art, the ancient Egyptians practiced an approach referred to as frontalism. Each feature was shown from the ideal, most recognizable view. The head was shown in profile while the torso was facing forward. The feet would then be shown from the side, as that was a more easily recognizable shape for the foot. The result was a mix of perspectives on the figure, making it appear contorted, but it was the ideal symbol rendering each part in ways that would be easily identified. Another distortion we see in ancient Egyptian artifacts was hierarchical scale. Simply put, the more important a figure was, the bigger it would be in the composition. Conversely, the less important a figure was, the smaller it would be. So, gods and pharaohs would be shown as noticeably larger than the average Egyptian. Because so much of the artwork was about symbolism and communication— There would often be explanatory text with the artworks. Statues would have text on the back or on the base to identify the work. Of course, one of the complicating factors in deciphering hieroglyphics was that some of the small images would be representing phonemic sounds, sort of like letters, while others would stand for an idea or an object. I think the hardest thing for me to wrap my brain around is the fact that, for the most part, ancient Egyptian art was not for the people to look at. Statues tended to be very formal and frontal because they served a ritualistic purpose. They were a connection between the gods and the earthly world. 
The statues of gods would be mostly shrouded out of view from the public, though their presence would be felt and people would ritualistically care for the god by anointing it and using incense. Sometimes people would get to see the statue when it was sort of paraded out for special occasions. The statues of elite and royal figures were seen as an intermediary between the people and the gods. Also, families were known to set up personal chapels paying homage to their ancestors. Festivals would be held where people celebrated these deceased loved ones. They would eat in the chapel, bring offerings of food and incense, as well as letters asking for help in this world and the next. Now that we've had a quick sort of overview of ancient Egyptian art, if I were trying to put together a collection of a few specific works to help you better understand what it looked like and what it was all about, here would be my top five. First off, I've got the Great Pyramids. The pyramids were marvels of the ancient world. They're the last remaining wonders of the ancient world and held the title of the tallest man-made structure for thousands of years. To the ancient Egyptians, though, the pyramids served as both a resting place of the pharaohs and a bridge to the afterlife. They were modeled after the rays of the sun, providing a pathway for the deceased pharaoh's spirit to ascend into the sky and reunite with the sun god Ra. If you want to learn more about the pyramids, I'm going to link the mini-episode I did of Who Arted Covering the Pyramids. Along similar lines, I would add the Sphinx. The Sphinx is the oldest known monumental sculpture in Egypt. It was carved from the bedrock of the Giza Plateau. The Sphinx represents a mythical creature with the body of a lion and the head of a man. It was created around 2500 BCE for the pharaoh Khafre. Next up, I've got the treasures of King Tutankhamun's tomb. His innermost coffin, his burial mask, all of those things were discovered by Howard Carter in the 1920s. An interesting fact, recently a letter surfaced confirming that Howard Carter snuck into King Tut's tomb and pocketed some of the treasures before he officially broke the seal. This had long been suspected, but now it seems certain as one of Carter's friends sent him a letter at the time saying, basically, thanks but no thanks for the stolen goods. I can't keep this knowing how you got it. Tutankhamun was often referred to as the boy king because he was just a child when he became pharaoh, and he had a short rule. He died at just the age of 17. It's not known whether he was murdered or died in a hunting accident, but the intrigue, along with his young age, helped to make for a compelling story as his tomb was opened and all of the treasures remained intact. As I said, in the 20th century, displays of the treasures were taken from King Tut's tomb, including his burial mask and coffin. Those things wowed museum goers around the world, drawing headlines and seeping into the popular culture. One of the ways we saw Tutankhamun and mummies more broadly in pop culture came with the idea of the mummy as a monster to be feared. 
I did a mini episode of Who Arted about the idea of the mummy's curse, which stemmed from Carter's excavation of Tutankhamun's burial chamber. I'll link that one in the show notes, too. King Menkara and his queen. This is one of the most famous stone statues from ancient Egypt. As I said, the royals were seen as intermediaries between the gods and the regular people. Although it was common to portray idealized versions of figures and present them in their best light, some aspects also tended to be dictated by the constraints of the materials and placement. For example, on stone statues, arms would often be down at the figure's sides to form a connection and support the weight of them. This statue was most likely placed in sort of an architectural niche, and those constraints would just naturally lead you to have the figures facing forward. Both of the figures are facing forward, one foot out in front of the other, as though they're walking out of the structure. And last up, I've got the palette of King Narmer. The palette was a functional object for grinding up cosmetics. Specifically, Egyptians would use heavy black eyeliner the way modern professional athletes sometimes do to reduce the glare from the intense sun. Most palettes were small and plain, but there were a number of larger ones with elaborate carvings and decorations believed to be used for ceremonial purposes. One unique aspect of the palette of King Narmer is the depiction of the pharaoh wearing the crown of Lower Egypt on one side, and the crown of Upper Egypt on the other side. There's still debate about the meaning of all the symbols within the palette. Some say it was about the unification of Upper and Lower Egypt, while others contend it may be more religiously significant, symbolizing the delicate balance of order and chaos, and the journey of the sun god, which was central to the Egyptian religion. Now, those are some of the standouts to me as I look at ancient Egyptian art. What are some of your favorites? Share your favorite ancient Egyptian artworks on social media and tag at WhoArtedPodcast on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. ArtSmart is an airwave media podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to learn more, check out my other podcast, Who Arted, or go to the website artsmartpodcast.com for more free resources.